0: Are you having a hard time finding a good book to read about Twin Peaks? Did you finish binge watching Twin Peaks in Quarantine and now you're looking for more? If so, we have the book for you. Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. Based off the popular show from the 1990s, read about the making of each episode from over. 100 cast and crew members This book covers Season 1, Season 2 firewalk With Me And Season 3 But wait, there's more This book has commentary From the community And the host From the wildly popular podcast Twin Peaks Unwrapped Order now, supplies are very limited Only $25.99 Plus shipping and handling Go to bluerosemag.com today. Welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian and
1: Beside me, as always, Ben Durant. So, Brian, we've got a special guest tonight. Today here, we've got Scott Scott Ryan. He's the co-host of the Red Room Podcast, author of Scott Luck Stories, and he just completed a documentary on the 2015 Twin Peaks Festival. Hi, Scott. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks. So there's so much to talk about. I'd love to just uh, maybe start about how you got into Twin Peaks.
2: Well, I was in college when Twin Peaks aired, and I actually did not watch the first seven episodes when they aired. But in the summer, when ABC repeated them, my best friend at the time said, listen, I'm going to watch this show, Twin Peaks and it's all I'm going to talk about, so you might as well watch it as well.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I like to pretend that I watched it the first seven episodes, but I think I did the same thing. I watched it in the summer. I think I missed some, and I said, oh, I'll catch it in the summer, and that was when I watched it and stuff. And, wh- and were you
2: hooked right away? Well, I had no idea what to expect. I mean, none. I just turned it on without any knowledge at all. And my, the thing that I remember the most about watching the first 20 minutes is how sad it was. Mm. I mean, I really remember saying out loud, like, wow, this is sad. Yeah. And to this day, when someone asks me about Twin Peaks or why I'm still involved in it, because, I mean, let's face it, it's ridiculous for us lifers that we're Mm. still obsessed with this show from 1990. (laughs) Um, It's because murder as Albert says, or I'm sorry, Cooper says to Albert, you know, is not a faceless entity, a Mm. Twin Peaks. Yeah. The fact that they spend, I think it's 23 minutes, just on people reacting Mm. to her death. And it's why I've always been against shows like Bones and NCIS and CSI, where in the first two minutes someone dies and they have a family and the family's like, What, my husband's dead? He was at bowling at (laughs) two fifteen last night. You know,
3: they're giving clues.
2: Right. But it mattered that Laura Palmer died Mm. and that affected me from the get go.
1: Totally and I always think about that girl and the pilot the girl running away outside you know Donna and James are in class and they just hear this girl screaming running away Yeah and it was just it was just that yeah that everybody was affected by by Laura Palmer's death and stuff and that's something Yeah I mean and we still feel it Yeah and I still think that I still don't think that you know is it it's 50, uh, 51000 something people in Twin Peaks. I still think that, this, that the the community is really smaller than that, and it's unfortunate that AB, uh, that uh, Mark Frost and Lynch were forced to mm-hmm. make a larger community in Twin Peaks because it feels like a a, a tight knit like thousand people. Yeah, or <laughs> five thousand, five thousand yeah. people, yeah. but not that. So you went on to you, what were you going to say, Scott? Were you going to say something else?
2: Well, I was going to say that the way that I justify that, you know. Again, when you're a lifer of Twin Peaks, you, you, know, you have a justification for every little moment that happened. I always <laughs> viewed it that Twin Peaks had 50,000 people. Ah, I like that. And that it, it you know, was tapering down mm. because really at that time in the 90s, um, corporations, factories, I guess is the word I'm looking for, were moving out. You mm. know, there could have been a lot more logging communities. I have nothing to back this up, by the way. I
1: like it, though. I like that. I, I, I think that's great.
2: But that's the way I always view it. You know, Horns Department Store might have
1: employed thousands of people before. That's true. All right. so, so you went on to uh, to create uh, the, the Red Room Podcast. Can you share with us how that came about?
2: Yes. My brother-in-law came up with the idea, and he wanted to get into podcasting, and I think he wanted to convince me to come along with him. So he said, what about the Red Room podcast? <laughs> and I was like, I like it. I'm in.
1: And when I like it, it's not just Twin Peaks. It's, there's more than, than just you guys talking about Twin Peaks.
2: Yeah, when I was out at the Twin Peaks Festival this year, that was what I learned most. It was like the ultimate focus group, because hmm. when I would... Introduce myself to people, and then they'd say, "Oh, you're from the Red Room Podcast. You guys watch every episode of Twin Peaks and mm. talk about it." And then I'd be like, "No, actually, we've never done that. We haven't even done one episode."
3: <laughs> right? Wow! Like
2: that. Um, we try to cover a different topic every week. Now, obviously, Twin Peaks is our bread and butter, and you know, David Lynch. We, you know, our latest episode at 105. Is on Mulholland Drive because mm. the Blu ray came out. So, and I know that's what your guys' latest episode yeah. was as well. I mean, you cover what comes around, but we do Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Downton Abbey, Twin Peaks. And then we've done movies. We've done Bob Dylan records, Fiona Apple records. We just wanted to seriously talk about
1: art awesome that's cool and, and congratulations on hitting over a hundred uh podcasts i mean that's that's amazing a hundred shows what yeah, incredible
2: oh thank you very much you and know I know you guys know how much work it is to do an episode yeah. I have to, it's just unbelievable the amount of time you put into something that you get you know no monetary value out of but you get a community value.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally, and you're not. There's, there's, that's not the only podcast you're doing, right? You have another. Is, do you have a China Beach podcast?
2: Well, no, it's the Thirty Something podcast. Ah, the Thirty Something. Um, ah <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I just started.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite shows, if not what I think the best show ever is. And I met someone through the Red Room, Carolyn Handler. And she really liked Thirty Something, and we started to reach out to the writers of the show, and we're actually getting them to come on and discuss how they wrote the episode. We're going, you know, and just discussing their scripts. And now we've actually have a couple of the actors lined up, so that's very but, exciting. We've only done two episodes yet. So
1: remind me, I mean, it, it's around the time of Twin Peaks. I'm trying to think: is it is it 1990s? The TV show was around. Well, here is an interesting fact. One
2: man, Mr. Roger Eiger, he canceled Twin Peaks thirty something in China Beach in the same day with the same pen stroke.
3: Oh and man!
2: I always say that was the end of regular network drama. That man killed it that day, mm. and it never, you know—it wasn't resurrected till uh, HBO did it with The Sopranos. I guess I'm stuck in the '90s,
1: <laughs> and and thirty something is around that time period as well. When was that? Like when did that come yeah, out? Yeah, it, it, so. it's it's eighty seven to ninety one. Okay, wow. I remember seeing it, but it's been a long. I haven't seen it since it was on TV. So and
0: yeah, that, that had a weird ending. That show too. Well, it, I mean, it definitely
2: builds. Every season gets better, yeah. and
0: then I also have another podcast.
2: I mean, here I am. I didn't <laughs> even know what podcasting was five years ago. And and now I have three, but I do Scott Luck stories, and that is just five to seven minute comedy skits, if you will, that I tell about working in corporate America and being a stay at home dad, and you know working at Arby's when I was a kid, and those yeah. are just purely for comedy sake. So, cool.
1: And, and was that based bit- on your e-book? Did you did it originally? Start yeah. As e-book? Yeah.
2: I started with the podcast, and then I developed it. I fleshed out the stories to the ebook, where I I did twenty of the stories from there, and that's available on Amazon. And I have it as low as they'll let me go at two ninety mm. nine. I mean, it's it's not very expensive, but it's definitely a good read in the David Sedaris type. Sense where I mean it, I'm just being funny, but talking about all the things that we all go through.
1: Cool, nice. and, you know I follow you on on Twitter at Red Room Podcast, and uh, you ha- you always bring up the reader. What it, what is the reader that you guys do that you know you, you? Okay, so this is something,
2: and I'll send you the link. This is actually something Josh set up, and it's really an interesting thing. It basically goes through your Twitter feed, and it. The people that are that you're following, it pulls their headlines and then it tweets it out in the morning. And it picks two of your followers, and it has gotten a a lot of new followers because they'll hmm. retweet it, and then they'll follow you because you're promoting them. And you know we're all one big happy self promotion.
1: Cool, neat. Uh, yeah, because so. I see it all the time. and It's like, oh, what is that? We gotta so, try that. Yeah, man. maybe it'll be cool. So I would. Yeah, cool. So you're really on the show because you just completed your documentary on the 2015 Twin Peaks Festival. Do you want to talk about the festival, talk about your experience in making it? And uh, yeah, what's that been like?
2: Well, it's really been an amazing experience. Um, I had never gone to the fest and have been honestly afraid to go for 25 years. And that, that really is the truth. Um, but this year, it was the 25th anniversary, and I just was like, what am I waiting for? Why have I never done this?
3: Hmm.
2: You know, I'm doing this podcast. I'm meeting all these people like you guys and Brad Dukes and Matt Humphrey, and, you know, I, I sort of was
1: meeting the people who were going, and I'm like, why am I not going? <laughs> I'm I'm in the same boat. I mean, I, I you, you had mentioned about you had mentioned how you had originally got the uh, the festival like um, what uh, promotion stuff, or you got something by because you subscribed to the picks, or you got the picks cards, and then they got a mailing about the festival. I too did that. and I got that way back, I think in '93, I guess probably. And yep. and it's been what 20, almost 25 years, and I don't know why I haven't gone either. So oh, I, no. I, I can congratulations <laughs> to you. I'm, I'm I'm jealous that you actually went, and and uh, and what was the experience like was it worth it it was as close to a religious experience as i've ever had (laughs) Um, awesome
2: i can't i it's so hard for me to explain when i came back from the trip all i wanted to do was talk about it like i had to to check myself to not overly discuss it with people who obviously don't care when you get back from a vacation. They're like, how was mm-hmm. vacation? You're supposed to say it was yeah. fine and then get back to work. And I'd want to be like, sit down. Let me talk to you forever.
1: But- <laughs> What's so funny, you, you, know, you brought this up on your podcast and I'm listening to it and he's like, oh, you're saying, oh, I don't know if I should be talking about it too much. And he's like, no, no, please talk about it more, Scott. Talk about it. I, 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 you can spend the whole show just talking about it. So, so I, I'm eager to hear what you have to say. So the first thing is, and I know this sounds
2: trite because everyone says this in life, but everyone out there is so nice. Mm
3: -hmm. It
2: doesn't matter who you're sitting next to. Here's the craziest part. My wife and I went, and we went out to breakfast one morning, and we didn't, this time we did not go to the Double R diner. Mm -hmm. We went there for breakfast, like most of the times, because you never get over the fact that you're eating breakfast at the double. (laughs) But we went to this truck stop that was right across the street from our hotel. And we go in, we sit down two people come in who we've never talked to before, but they're wearing twin peak shirts.
3: Hmm.
2: We're wearing twin peak shirts. They come over and they say, Hey, how are you? And I said, do you want to join us? And they were like, sure. And we sat down and had breakfast with them. And Like, we're going to stay with them when we go to London Mm. next year. That's something. We spent the whole weekend with them. Wow. And the thing that got me is, can you imagine if you went out to your local restaurant for dinner and somebody came up to you and said hey hey did you ever watch everybody loves raymond (laughs) yeah yeah. i mean
3: that's crazy
2: yeah Yeah. it didn't happen but it happened everywhere no matter where we went started to talk with these people and you know i bring that out a little bit in my documentary if i'm if there's one part of my documentary i'm disappointed with it's the fact that i didn't realize until the last day that that's really what it was about. When Mm -hmm. I went there, my plan was, Oh, I'm going to meet Cheryl Lee Mm -hmm. and I'm going to interview her. And I want to talk to Kimmy Roberts. who played Lucy and Mm -hmm. it's going to be awesome. I'm going to get these celebrities in my movie. But the truth is that's not what it's about at all. Mm -hmm. It's about the people that you meet there. And even now I don't feel like I'm explaining it as, as, much love and respect that was everywhere you went. Like, it just feels good. That's and I'm not even that kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> you feel so new agey talking about
1: it. <laughs> so did you, did, you, did you go in saying, I'm going to make a documentary, I'm bringing a video camera, and then I'm going to get all this footage, and then I'm going to come home and and make something? Or how did that come about? Well, I've actually been making movies since I was 17. Hmm. So... It's
2: hard for me to just relax and not have a project going. I mean, it says the person who, you know, is doing three podcasts. (laughs)
3: Um,
2: So, you know, to justify spending the money, because it is money. I mean, Mm. the ticket to go, I think, was like $250, which is not bad for all that you get. But, But I had to fly from Ohio to Seattle and then you got to get a hotel, and it is a lot of money. Yeah. So to me, I thought, you know what? I'm going to make a movie, and this will help promote the Red Room or something. Or just
1: you know, to have for yourself, just it. to be, uh, you know, a, a memory to have that you can look back on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just I wanted something else out of it. So when I went, my goal was just to film what happened, and when I came home, I would decide where the story was and I have made other documentaries before so I knew how to interview people I knew how to do it but I didn't know what my story was going to be and that's why a lot of the interviews that I have are not actually in the movie because I was talking to people not about the friendships but since you guys have seen the movie you know that at the end hopefully when you thought you really felt the heart and the love that these people had in, you know. that we had to say goodbye. I mean, how did you
0: guys view the ride?
1: I, I won't let, I didn't let Brian watch it.
3: <laughs> I still
0: haven't watched it yet.
1: I, I, yeah. So I thought we'll get back to that. But all right. All I right. just say that uh, yeah, I could definitely feel that. I mean, you could definitely feel that everybody's laughing and having a good time, and you felt that that they, there was there was connections being made, and and that's just you know yeah, totally. So I mean, you definitely were able to sh- showcase that in, at the end there, and I thought it was amazing. And I, <laughs> Ben didn't want me to watch it. Well, here's the problem. So so Brian sure. Brian has just gotten past finding out who killed Laura Palmer, yeah. and. You don't know anything. He, Brian has no idea about Firewalk with Me. He doesn't know if if it takes place in another universe, another time period. Mm-hmm. He has nothing to know about. So and no I feel like there was spoilers. some. You, you, Scott, you were able to interview some people that were in the movie, and I felt like those those just finding out who those characters would would spoil it for for Brian.
0: See, I want to go with baby, new fresh eyes, and I hope to be watching the movie probably in January or February. So. What? Well maybe I, maybe no, March? That's not gonna happen
1: that no, it's March. Gonna be
0: summer
2: summer mean summer, <laughs> no, summer. No, no,
1: we'll
0: I'm sorry. Well, I
2: knew that you hadn't seen Firewalk with me because I had you know through email and I want to say that if you if you want to invite me back for your Firewalk with me episode. Awesome. I would awesome. love to discuss it with you because I believe that all of Twin Peaks is in Firewalk with me. You know, it's it's never been the end of Twin Peaks to me, even though I guess it's not the end anymore. Mm. It used to be for 25 years. It's the beginning. It's really where Twin Peaks gets in your blood. So I'll be anxious to hear what you think of it, especially seeing it from the first time.
1: Yeah, that'd be exciting. So I, I don't think we've we've mentioned this to our audience, but I think what we're thinking of doing, I mean, this is still four, uh, four months off probably before yeah. we get to it because we're still only at... Sixteen, seventeen, or we're still a few. We're still in the middle of, of second season, but I think what we're thinking of doing for Firewalk with Me is doing four parts. So we'll, we're going to cover yeah for four weeks for a whole month. It's going to be Firewalk with Me. So I think we might get Joel Baco on. We might get uh, a couple other people on. So we we would love to have you on one of the parts. That yeah. come on and like you know you can talk about anything Scott that you want to talk about on Firewalk with Me, but we might. Say, okay, we're going to talk about a little bit about the first half hour and we're going to talk about this part. But yeah, that we would love to have you on. I'm excited.
2: Yeah, that would be cool. Well, I want to be on when you maybe the <laughs> last part then, because my favorite thing is just talking about the theories of yeah. Firewalk with me. Cool. I mean, that's what I love to get into. It's one of my favorite podcasts we ever did. Mm. We had Josh Eisenstadt on. That was an excellent podcast.
1: Everybody should listen to that. Everybody should check out that podcast.
2: Yeah, I think that's episode 98. And we just go back and forth on theories about, you know, I'm I'm not going to give spoilers, so don't worry. But (laughs) in depth, the smallest things. And that's what I love, especially for someone who hasn't seen it. So when you go through Firewalk with me, you're going to view it with completely fresh eyes and probably see things that I can't see anymore.
1: So. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I think I was talking to Joel Bacco, and I think he brought this up to me that uh, it's there's probably more mythology in Firewalk with me than the entire series in some ways. Wow. I mean, like I think it, it kind wow. of reintroduces the whole series, and I mean, there's a lot more. I think a lot more <laughs> to theorize about in Firewalk with me than even. I think the whole, the whole series and stuff. So uh, I
2: agree 100%. Yeah. Uh, there, you could almost say there is no mythology hmm. in the series, barring maybe episode 16, although I don't know how you guys count them. I count them old school. But, uh, yeah, we do it old school. I think I mean, yeah. we just go
1: pilot and then episode 1 to 29 or so. I think that's how right. we're, we're so, done. Yeah.
2: So episode 16 certainly has some mythology to it.
1: And it, since but, we've gotten to sixteen, yeah. I mean, six. We, Brian has has actually seen who, who the killer is, and yeah. we got to Leland's death. What was your, what, For the first time, what was it like for you, Scott, seeing the, these episodes?
2: Oh boy, I remember. I remember it so vividly. Um, I was working at a video store on the night of episode sixteen. And I begged someone to trade with me so I could go home <laughs> and watch episode 16. And then everyone from the store was going to come over at a pool table in my parents' house. And we were going to have, you know, late night on a Saturday night. And I, I'm allowed to talk about what happens in 16, right? Yes, yes. So, so yeah. So, yeah. so but- when... When Bob is in Leland and he says, you watch him, you watch him, remember, Mm. but not for long, I realized that Leland was going to die.
1: Wow.
3: Mm.
2: And it broke my heart because you love Leland. Yeah. And his death scene got me so much. So then all my friends come over, Leland's dead. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I just... I sat in the corner, and I was like, go ahead, play school. Like I was devastated. Aww. That episode, and it's still, it's, it's in my top three. I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite episode, but mm-hmm. it's up there. I mean, it's just such an emotional ride.
1: And it's kind of like, where do you go from there? I mean, I remember first seeing that, and it's like, oh, was that the last episode? I it mean, felt like, felt like one. Yeah, like, yeah. where else do you go? I mean, they kind of wrapped it up and basically say, you know, where's Bob now? But it's kind of like, felt like, oh, it's kind of over. I mean, I mean, it, it was really, really good. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I feel sorry for you to have to struggle through the next crap that you're about to play.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hear that all the time, yeah. and I'm They're excited awful. to get to the end. Um, but I'm excited. Right now we're you know, we're taking a break. We're in January we're gonna start back up with seventeen and eighteen, and I'm itching to continue season two, but I do know people have told me that it gets kinda bad. I, I think But it, I love the characters too much yeah. that I don't even care, I guess.
1: I personally yeah, think you'll care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of bad stuff. I do feel like there's like a tiny little bit of nuggets little gems in every episode even if like someone's like oh james i can't put up with you anymore but
0: yeah yeah. the james side story is horrible i i know the beginning of that and i'm like i'm not even on board with his side story at all
1: right so i mean but scott please isn't it fascinating
2: how they just, just James as a character? Because I'm assuming that even where you are in episode 16 you're mm. already checked out of James right?
0: Yeah, no, no here's a question about James, <laughs> what's your theory about James? His character wasn't always that it, it, he, he was always kind of a wooden character for me I mean he didn't really bring much to the table but I feel like after they figure out Laura's killer and everything, and the whole thing with Maddie and everybody, it it's just like, they're like, oh, what do we do with him? Like, he was like this James Dean cool guy, mm-hmm. but he was just so bland. He was very, compared to all the other cool characters in the show, he was very vanilla. Like, yeah. he was just kind of like there. And they are like, let's just have him go off on his own. Right. And meet this woman. I don't know. Well, in my
2: opinion, James and Donna, it was the actors who played them that ruined them. This mm. is just my theory. Yeah. Um, and I always fight with people. I'm not going to say that. I'm not allowed to say that. So never mind. <laughs> I, was about, I was just about to spoil something. So I'll uh, remove the, the like, Donna discussion. But with James, I just don't think he was the actor
3: mm. that mm. they
2: probably thought he was. Mm. That's my opinion. I, I agree with that. I think in a TV show, you know, a creator like Mark and David, they they set a course for this character. And, and all those courses are obviously there in the pilots. But the way a series works is the actor starts giving something of himself and the writers pick up on that and they move forward. You know, I'm sure Kyle McLaughlin took Cooper to a place that even they didn't expect Hmm. because he created this great character. I don't think that James or Laura Flynn Boyle had the chops Hmm. to do that.
0: Yeah. I do agree with that, with the, the, the actor who played James. He, yeah, he doesn't give himself to the character. So you just kind of feel like you're looking at someone who's just reading the lines and going through the motions, and he's not acting. I yeah. mean, he's portraying this character off the paper, but he's not giving um, his own spin on it. So you're just kind of left with this vanilla kind of guy. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. Also, this time is, is what we're kind of giving the keys. To other producers, I mean, uh, Bob Angles and uh, Peyton there are kind of taking over the show while Mark Frost works on a movie, yeah. and I, I, it's still always unclear what David Lynch is doing. <laughs> I mean, like he he doesn't seem to be working on a movie, and he seems like he's giving input, but it kind of like the, we've got other people running the show, and yeah. and I don't know if they know how, where where to go with the show. At least that's right,
2: what... right, and and that's certainly what happens. Now, what I say about season two, I actually prefer season two to season one. Mm. But episodes eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and twenty-one are are kind of unwatchable almost. I mean, <laughs> but when you get to episode twenty-two and twenty-three, it it starts to to righten. Mm. And then, man, when you get all the way through to twenty-nine, I I would submit you could put episode 29 up to anything.
1: Oh yeah, you can't beat the last episode. I mean, that is amazing television. So
2: it, you you just have to suffer. I I always say it's four episodes. It's yeah. four bad episodes in a row. 17, I don't consider to be a bad episode. I think 17 is, is what it should be after 16. Hmm. But 18, 19, 20, and 21, they just should have let them shut down, <laughs> figure out their next story, but it wouldn't have happened at ABC in in nineteen ninety. That 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 wouldn't have happened.
1: What's too What's too bad is like you know they did they the first season they did about seven episodes. If you count the pilot, it's really eight episodes. And if they did if they were allowed to do that again for the second season, that would be almost line up with yeah. with sixteen. And if they could do that, then they could have looked in third season and, and got another eight episodes. And I think that, that would have been I think that would have been great if they could have done these short do what they do now, where they have these short seasons. Yeah. And uh, Yeah. Cool. So if we're going back to the documentary, you finished it. What are your plans now that you've completed the documentary? Well,
2: um, my first plan is to not watch that son of a gun for a couple of weeks. I'm <laughs> sick of it. Uh, <laughs> the, actually, I was watching it every day. I was working on it. Obviously, you know, you you get two or three minutes done, and then you you know watch it on the big TV and see how it's playing. And the first day I was really done, and I didn't watch it. It felt weird. It was <laughs> like being in Groundhog Day, and now you're not in Groundhog Day. <laughs> Like, what do I do? You mean what? I I actually have time to, what, see my kids or something? (laughs) It's ridiculous. Um, But it was, I submitted it to the UK Twin Peaks Fest, Mm -hmm. and they immediately said, yes, we want to play it. So it's going to air next year at the UK Twin Peaks Fest,
1: which I'm very excited about. Awesome. We, we, we We should ask right now to get you on the show for that, then. Are you planning on attending? Do you think you'll go to the UK for that? Oh yeah, I'm going okay oh, um, oh, my nice.
2: I, I mean why not my, yeah. my I'm gonna have my uh worldwide debut that's uh, pretty cool going.
1: and you and you've, have you been to the u k before or to the festival or
2: I have never yeah I've not been there you know as you know, maybe from the end of my documentary, my dream is to meet Cheryl Lee. she yes. is like my dream and and so many people have met her now, Aww. it's like everyone but me. <laughs> But I, so I'm kind of hoping she'll be there because she canceled this year. So yeah, you'd
1: think she would go next year. And what's on? It was so too, it was really too bad because she was going to read from the diary too. I was really, I was, we weren't going to make it, but I was hoping that somehow someone would videotape it mm. or something. But uh, yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't say this on the air, but I'll say it anyways. <laughs> that uh, you know, we reached out to her, uh, her people, to try to get her on the the the, the diary show that we did, yeah. and they got got back to us and they said uh, she's not taking any, uh, she's not doing any interviews right now. But like I thought of you, Scott. It's like, boy, if I could get her on the show, uh, <laughs> Scott would be jealous here because I know that. The- I
2: wouldn't have come on. You'd be dead
3: to
1: <laughs> me. Well, let's hope. Let's hope you get to meet her and stuff. We, if you, yeah, we should, we should, we should videotape Scott meeting. Uh, that would be, be awesome. Something. Well,
2: that was gonna be. You know, my first thought was that was kind. of... I kind of thought she was gonna show up because it was the 25th anniversary. Yeah. I thought she'd be the surprise guest, and my wife was like. I'm gonna film you when you meet her, and mm-hmm. here's the thing. And I'm man enough to say this: if I meet Shirley, I'm gonna cry. i <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm,
1: it's, it's gonna happen, yeah. and I'm okay with it. And and it's there's nothing wrong with it, that. It's okay. I, it's, I can admit that I cry at TV she's shows. Laura Palmer. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean she's Laura Palmer, That's and awesome. she means
1: more. You know, I
2: I know that she's not really Laura Palmer. I'm not crazy. I understand that she's an actress. Yeah. But she's that person, and you've just seen her for so long, and, and the symbol of Laura mm. is what I'm... I'm more drawn to the Laura story than the Cooper story.
3: It's
2: hmm. pretty cool. And I, I just think meeting her would be... I don't know. Now I'm distracted, but I'm supposed to be saying what I'm doing with my documentary.
3: Well, I'll say, that,
1: real, <laughs> that's a real, I'll say that she she comes off in real life as a, a generally really nice, sweet person, too. I mean, I, of course, I've never met her, but she comes off as a really mm-hmm. great person as well. But yeah, go, oh, yeah. Back, I mean, go back to the documentary. and uh,
2: <laughs> So it's, yeah. so it's going to play there. Um, I have been... Going back and forth with the American Twin Peaks Fest, I've talked to the guy who's done movie night. We're we're trying to work something out. They think it's a little bit too long to play on their movie night because mm. it's it's running thirty four minutes. I made a twenty six minute version too that sort of removes the bus tour section of the documentary, mm. and so it still may play in some way. You know, they haven't really said yes or no, so I'm still having hope. Because obviously, I really want to play it the American one because all those people are in it. So yeah, I think yeah. everyone would enjoy it.
1: Yeah, sure. my my favorite part, one of my favorite parts, first hearing about it, but then actually seeing in your documentary is the um, p- wrapping people up in plastic at the beach, and and I, th- <laughs> I th- you, they had you, you, you wrapped yourself up too, right? I mean, that was so much fun.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, I was—I mean, I was like, of course I'm getting wrapped in plastic. Right. What are you kidding? And you know, people that I would tell, they'd be like, "I'm sorry, you're flying across the country to get wrapped in plastic." Like, <laughs> would <laughs> be like, "Yeah, oh yeah, of course I am," that's and I'm awesome. going to video it and make a movie about it. Oh,
1: that's that's really cool. So, and I mean, it was awesome. yeah. I didn't mean to cut you. Um, So, yeah, and what else do you, do you want to share anything else about the festival in the sense that, like, what, I mean, about the events, or or did you, you seem to have a great, you know, a great relationship with people. Did you guys hang out a lot when there wasn't events going on? What was the, the whole experience like?
2: Definitely. Um, you, Yes, and it's not very clicky at all. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't know anyone. You just start, you know, you're standing by someone and you find out they watch Hannibal, let's say. So you start talking about Hannibal. And then you're talking about Wild at Heart with someone else. So a lot of people just go to the Double R Diner and there's, you know, a big table and everyone just sits down. and You start eating and talking. And then we ended up riding with people to events. And when we were in line to get autographs on Friday night, whoever you're standing by, you just start talking, and then we've all become Facebook friends, and now it becomes realer. Like you, you, move it beyond just Twin Peaks. So, um,
1: and, and it's I'm really sorry, impressive. that's cool. I can't. Remember, I'm, I feel bad. I can't remember her name, but she was just on your sci-fi show that you had. Um, uh, Televix and Mary. Yeah, Berinsky. Mary and she, so, so she was at the festival, and then you got her on on, on one of your Red Room podcasts to talk about uh, Star Trek sci-fi shows.
2: Yes, Mary is probably one of my favorite people I met out there. We were on; she was on my bus tour because you get to take a bus tour going to all the sites, and she was sitting about three rows in front of me and I heard her say that she met Jerry Ryan hmm. who played seven of nine in star Trek Voyager. And that perked me up right away. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like talking to her. So it was really funny because we were seeing the big log that's in season one's opening credits and season two's opening credits. Hmm. It's not in every episode, but you know, that really huge log that's in the front credits and yeah. the, Rob, who runs the Twin Peaks Fest, is, a, is so knowledgeable, and he was giving a tour of all these things. <laughs> I'm talking to Mary about Star Trek, and like right away I was like, you have to come on our podcast. Cause <laughs> her story was so interesting about how she basically just loved Star Trek so much and started to interview the cast just because she was going to all these places, and now she actually works for Paramount interviewing them at their big Star Trek. Cool.
1: Wow. That's something. And that's
2: just one person that, you know, I heard something and, you know, now we text all the time and email back and forth and you really can make great connections out there. I suggest you guys. have. I'm sure people listen to your podcast out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's
1: fun. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta. I mean, we we're talking about it, but it's like you know, we're we're on the the East Coast, and yeah, it's the same thing. Where you know, I'm thinking about the plane ride, the hotel. Yeah, and, it adds uh, up. It adds up. But, but we hope
0: one time we can go.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome for the podcast. For sake. the podcast. For, for the, the podcast. Po-
0: <laughs> See, that's what I did. I
2: did it. I said well, we'll make a documentary. Hey, it's not because I want to meet Cheryl Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Please, what? You think I'm going to ask her to marry me? (laughs) Come on, we'll go. It'll be fine.
1: So, Scott, what was your reaction when you found out that the show was coming back to Showtime? I mean, what was that like?
2: Boy, I was always one who never wanted Twin Peaks to come back. Hmm. I just felt that it was a bad idea because never did I imagine that Mark and David would work together, and it would be on pay cable and be a limited time that he could do everything he wanted. You Did know? David
1: Lynch direct every episode? Yeah, it's cool. I, yeah.
2: I mean, I never expected that to happen. I always figured that a corporation would buy it and, you mm. know, it, they would ruin it. But this, I, I mean, I'm very excited. I'm trying not to find out things about it. Me too. Yeah. I I want to go Spoiler free, because I'd rather. Like I said, the very first time I watched Twin Peaks, I didn't even know what it was, and it's nice that you're you guys are doing that. I mean, I know yeah. one is one isn't, but sure. you're going through it without spoilers, and that's that's what David Lynch's work is all about.
1: Hmm. Totally. And so, and, you know, uh, with with the Red Room podcast, your brother in law Josh uh, wasn't he had never seen Twin Peaks, right? Did you introduce Twin Peaks to him as well?
2: I did, yeah. It's a prerequisite to being friends with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's kind of—I always think that—that that, like that's what we have in common. That we have—we have Brian here yep. who, who has never seen it, and then we have Josh who—he who, he probably saw it before the Red Room uh, podcast, right? I mean, you guys probably had seen it together, and then—and then yes, we.
2: Podcasts. Yeah, he is actually my wife brother-in-law which now is that makes him my brother-in-law at the time he wasn't but we were we started a tv night where the four of us were going to watch something and i was like well you've seen twin peaks and they were like no my wife hadn't seen it. none of them had seen it wow she was just my girlfriend there she <laughs> had seen it before i married her i mean it was very important and yes. so we watched it every thursday night and then when it was during that time, we would just talk about TV. And that's when he said, you know, this would be a podcast. I didn't even know what a podcast was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think our second episode ever is On Fire Walk With Me. And that is when we just finished. So we had finished everything and then we started a podcast.
1: Cool. That's something else. Yeah. So what, what are your, so what are your plans now? You've got, you've got three podcasts. You've got a documentary <laughs> done. I mean, where do you go from here? I yeah. Mean,
2: well, my dream is to do a Twin Peaks event. I was jealous that you guys really did something. I mean, I would love to do an art show. I'd love to show my documentary somewhere and then, like, do a panel where we would make, not discuss the documentary, but just theories about Twin Peaks. And so I would love to do something like that. That'd be cool. Um, I'm. I don't know. Right now, I'm so podcasted out; it's ridiculous. <laughs> we we always take November and December off, and we've just had like a bunch of shows in a row. Mm. So I'm we probably won't come back till January at this point, and I'm sure we'll cover Downton Abbey and because I know that'll be wrapping up. And I'm loving Fargo right now.
1: Oh yeah, good show. I'm I'm behind, but it's so good when I get to see it. It's I gotta great watch show. That, Yeah. You know awesome and any other you guys
2: what are you guys gonna do in the long term for your podcast
0: well we've we've discussed this off mic um we've discussed what what would we do and i feel like we're just gonna we're gonna go month by month and continue and if we have to take a break we might but i feel like we're gonna cover as much as we can
1: yeah, it's hard. Cause, yeah, I mean, I and we we try to mix it up so we we will have we'll have we'll do some of the episodes and then we'll have interviews and and we like we kind of like splitting it up too and I think our, our audience enjoys. When we have interviews, and then and then we, all, other weeks we have the episodes. So um hopefully we can spread it out for another six months, and then when we get to six months, yeah. maybe we'll do movies and we have some books, maybe. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I can only see six months from now. I don't know what's going to happen from from there.
2: Yeah. Well, I just wondered if you were thinking about doing season three per episode.
1: Oh yeah, we are. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. If we have
0: to take a break between when we decide to, if we decide to stop. We're gonna come back and we're gonna do that like every week as the show is going on. Yeah, is that something you would
1: do, Scott? Is that something you you would think about uh, actually covering season three?
2: I'm sure that we will do one on season three, but I, I don't think we would ever do, the episode per episode idea. Uh, it's not nothing. It's not been what Josh and I have really been interested in. Mm. In fact, we've actually covered Twin Peaks more than we <laughs> ever imagined. And but honestly, when we do a Twin Peaks one, it does so much better. Like one of my favorite podcasts we ever did. And you know, it sounds more um, titillating than I mean it to. But we did one on sex and nudity hmm. on TV. Yeah, and. It was a great discussion because it was about, you know, what if something like the West Wing had nudity? Would hmm. it have made it a better show? No. Hmm. In fact, it seems ridiculous to you to see those people yeah, in, in a nude scene. But then on cable, every show has one. It was a great discussion. Oh, I mean, that episode's been downloaded maybe a hundred times. Like, it's one of our worst ones. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so hard to get that idea out or people think, we're going to, you know, be Since not talking about it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is what we really want to do is maybe have someone on and have a good debate about it. Yeah. So it's hard to do a different show every week with a different topic.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of work.
2: It's hard to get it out. But I like that better.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I, and I enjoy it as as a listener of the of the Red Room podcast. I enjoy that every week. I don't know what I'm going to get. You know, it's like something new and fresh, and I enjoy that and stuff. And I, I'm going to start listening well, this you. week. Yeah, you should. You should the Mahalan Drive one is definitely one I would recommend. Yes, you know? I will
0: definitely our episode. I, I
1: like theories of that movie. So, um... and you got a great person on the Josh. Uh, Josh, do you want to talk about Josh real briefly about the, the, the podcast? Maybe Scott, you can mention a little about him.
2: I'm sorry, could you repeat that? i was saying, you know,
1: Josh there, who, who actually got to... Uh, he was on your show, uh, on the Mahalan Drive sh- show. I did not know if you could just bring up a little bit about... Promote that episode, because I think he was actually... He actually got to be th- der- there during the filming of Mahalan Drive, right? Yes.
2: Josh said You confused me, because I was thinking oh. you were talking about my part. you know, my brother-in-law, Josh. Right. Actually, there's a funny story about that, because... I met Josh Eisenstadt obviously out in the Twin Peaks Fest, but someone came up to me and said, You do a podcast with Josh? And I was like, <laughs> Yeah. And they were like, How did you get him? That's funny. And I'm like, He's my brother in law. Like, oh, brother in law? And then it took me a while to realize, Oh, wait a minute. That's a different, different Josh. Job. Um, so, yeah, Josh Eisenstadt, he is so knowledgeable. It's crazy. He knows everything about Twin Peaks, and he's featured very much in my documentary. He tells a couple of stories, and he was on the set of Mulholland Drive. He's very good wow, friends awesome. with Michael Anderson, Absolutely. who plays the little oh, man from another place. And they were working on a movie together. I believe that movie is on the Gold Box set. Hmm. So if you own the box set, it's a hidden – it's like an Easter egg. Oh, wow. That's something. Cool. And, and so my, he, they're working on editing this thing, and Michael Anderson says, Hey, I, I just got work on a new David Lynch movie, Mulholland Drive. It was a pilot at the time. And I'm going to play a guy in a wheelchair that's going to be – boxed in the whole day. And Josh Eisenstadt, being very clever, said, well, you're going to need someone to come along with you, get you something to drink, hold your sandwich. (laughs) 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 So he said, you know, let me come and be your assistant. And he said, as long as David Lynch says, that's okay. And Lynch approved it. He got to watch Lynch direct all those things with with Michael in there and he, he shared some of those stories and he's, he's just an amazing person. He, he's so kind. And that was one of the things out of the Twin Peaks set. He, he's kind of like a celebrity within itself because everyone really wants to talk And He's mm-hmm. been out there since the second year. And I thought, I don't know, am I really going to say something to this guy? I mean, You know, he's not going to care about me. He's not even going to know who I am, but, I eventually went up and talked to him. He was so nice, you know. It's like I'd love to do your podcast. and that's awesome, and, and was just a great guy. He's, he's come on twice, and both times we've really had great, in-depth discussions. Because sometimes I can get a little too deep when it comes to Twin Peaks. Like you
1: can't I'm, go deep enough. Keep going. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, and that's the thing. Like when you go out to the fest, you can have those conversations about how cooper's hair is part of (laughs) it which is one of my theories i think the way cooper's hair is done is very important that's awesome when you invite me back for firewalk with me we'll do cooper's hair i like that because it matters and so you know I, i don't know he's very interesting
1: that's cool. And I, yeah, I hope you have him on again. Cause I, I love both the times he was on and actually I, I had it, I had a dentist appointment. I had a dentist cleaning and I'm listening to Holland drive show and it was like the best dentist experience ever. Cause I'm just like, I'm, I'm grinning, I'm smiling. It's like, Oh, this is a good show. I mean, this is, a, it was just so good. And it's like, you, you made, yeah, you made a, a horrible dentist experience. Great. So thanks Scott. Well, <laughs> I, I,
2: I don't know how I feel about that because the dentist is my least favorite thing in the world. In fact, Whenever I drive to the dentist, I always think this would be the greatest time to get hit by a truck. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> People would be like, "What? This yeah, get hit by a truck? When? Oh man!" On the way to the dentist.
1: Yeah, it uh,
3: well,
1: wasn't on the way home from the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> so wh- where so can that, that creeps me out? Oh yeah. So, but yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it, it wasn't a great experience, but listening to your podcast is is excellent, and and Josh was amazing, and it made it, it made the hour go by. So quickly, so how can how can people find you? To you know, tell us about you know your podcasts and uh, sure. where they can find you.
2: So our home base is www.redroompodcast.com. Usually everything comes off that website. We're obviously on iTunes, on Twitter at Red Room Podcast, and then Scott Luck Stories is at Scott Luck Story on Twitter and. I I usually only put out a story every three months or so because they're sort of, they have to happen. I actually Mm -hmm. did one from the Twin Peaks Fest because there was something comical that occurred. And I won't spoil the ending because Scott Luck stories always have a come around
3: Mm -hmm. at (laughs) the end.
2: But it's it's definitely funny. And it's true, too. All of them are are always true just with a a comedy twist. And then the 30-something podcast is at 30... I think, um, but that's such a specialized group of people. It's mm. gonna that's gonna be a a slug to get people to be interested <laughs> in the thirty something podcast. But that's more of a labor of love mm. at this point. So I'm hoping if I get all of the cast and crew, I'm hoping that'll be my next book. I'd like to write a book about thirty something. So
3: that'd
1: we'll be see. awesome. Well, that's cool, so I can't wait. I mean, it was thank you for sharing uh, the uh, the festival with us that we actually got to see uh, see it before everybody else, and I'm really looking forward to everybody else seeing it uh, at the festivals and stuff. so we can't wait. yes after thank you after it premieres
2: at the u k fest, I will make it available for everyone either through YouTube or the website or in some way, but until it plays, I kind of wanted to keep it special for the festival premieres and like I said I'd like to have an event if anyone out there is having a Twin Peaks event and and wants to play the documentary it's 30 minutes and I think it's a fun there's a lot of comedy in it which I think is good it's Mm. it's jarring a couple people only about five or six people have seen it so you guys are wow, special nice thank you yeah you know we're we're podcast buddies. Yes,
1: for sure. <laughs> I feel connection. But
2: a lot of people have said, it's not dark like David Lynch or where's the music like Angelo. And I'm like, this isn't David Lynch making a documentary. This is through my prison. Like, this is Scott and and Ryan. Like comedy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So right. It's it's definitely a lighthearted look. But then some heart sneaks in there at the end and, and kind of gets you if the movie works well.
1: Cool, and nice. you, you gave us permission to, you know, ha- maybe have an audio clip about a minute of the uh, of the opening of the intro and stuff. So, uh, you know, when we end the show, we'll have just a little a sneak peek of uh, of your festival uh, documentary. So, taste. thank you. A little taste.
2: Yes, thank you. And then there's also a preview out for a song that I wrote that is in the movie. That, like I said, I was so obsessed with this that. Yeah, you know, I came home and I immediately wrote a song just about the experience. And is that something really you do? Do, like you, do,
1: a, do you do 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 you uh, do you write songs usually, or is this something just for the that you just on on a whim for the festival you do? You
2: no, know, I've written some songs. It's it's not what I'm best at. Mm. Uh, I I don't have a lot of talent. I have a little bit of talent and a whole lot of love for music. Yeah. So when you balance those out. You know, i c I've like I wrote the themes to the podcast we have. So I'm I mm, dabble. That's cool. That. And those are good I'm themes. No <laughs>
1: <laughs> well thank you, Scott.
0: Uh, it was, yeah, we yeah. appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Well no, thank you. I'm I'm excited to be on and I'm really excited for when you get to firewalk with me and if you want to have me back we can tussle about what we think it's about. I kinda hope you don't like it the first time you
1: see it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite ones. Uh, so. uh, yeah, well, I, I say repencil in. We'll, we'll fit you in somehow. Yes. We'll, ha- we'll get you on, and uh, and we'll yeah, definitely have you on to talk about it. So that'd be cool. And I like I I you you mentioned on your podcast about the hair, and I like that theory. And I, I can't wait for you to talk to more. I can't wait it. to hear the theory
2: because <laughs> I love Cooper's, Cooper's hair. hair. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I I think the secret to everything is in it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and and, and moose.
0: Yeah. In, 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 yeah, cuz you know there's some episodes where just, his hair it looks like it's like 5 feet tall. It's like
1: Woody Woodpecker or something. Yeah, it's
0: huge. <laughs> in the next episode it's short again. It's like what happened
1: there? <laughs> right. We'll wow. find out. We'll find out in firewalk with me. Yes. All right, so uh, so uh thank you Scott and uh we're just going to we're going to sign off here and We uh, sign
0: off. You can find us at Twin Peaks Unwrapped at On Twitter and like us on Facebook, Twin Peaks Unwrapped, and we're on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and comment us, please. And we will see you guys uh, next week. And we're out of here. Thank you.
2: As the 25th anniversary of Twin Peaks approached, I decided it was finally time. It was time to make that trip that I had been invited to back in '93. But what would I find? Would it be worth it? Would it be fun? Despite my worries, my wife and I purchased tickets to go to the Twin Peaks Fest in 2015. As the time got closer, I got more and more concerned. Why was I doing this? It was four days long. What were we going to do out there? Would we know anyone? Would anyone really be going to this? Would I connect with anyone? Why would I do this? And who am I going to meet out there? So I think one of the most amazing parts of my documentary is that I got to capture the log lady Catherine Colson, who passed away only a month after the Twin Peaks fest. Mm. I was sitting I was sitting right next to her at the banquet. Their table was right next to us. In fact, I even have a picture of like behind my head, like a selfie of, I can't believe I'm eating a chicken breast (laughs) (laughs) behind Catherine Bolton. And so when they were announcing everyone, I filmed them and there's some great footage in the documentary of her standing up and waving to everyone Mm. as they announce her. And the amazing part is is that I had written a song that plays before she passed away, but now it seems like I wrote it about her. Hmm. And that awesome. part always gives me goosebumps. She was so nice. Before the um, banquet, we were just walking around the Salish Lodge, and there was the log lady shopping <laughs> in the gift shop. And I said, I got to meet her. So I just uh-huh. went up. And introduced myself and asked if I could have a picture with her. And she was like, sure. And I took a picture. And she said, can I see that picture? Because this is the first time I've worn this hat.
3: <laughs> and I want
2: to see what it looks like. And I said, sure. And she said, it looks pretty good. I said, you look adorable. It's fine. And then I started to walk away. And she said, would you take another picture of me? And I said, of course. And she said, I want to send this to my kids so they know I really did something. Aww. And I said, you're I said, you're the log lady. You don't got to prove nothing to nobody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you got to take, you did take a picture with her too, right? You got, was that during the signing? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, she signed my wrapped in plastic magazine that she's on the cover of. And she was so nice to us in that moment in the, and I obviously didn't film that because it was a regular moment. That isn't Mm. in the documentary, but Mm. She was so kind and sweet, and I'm just so happy that she got to appear
1: in the documentary. That's awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, Scott.
2: No, oh, thank you. It was a, It was a joy to be on.